0: This is the MDRT Podcast. Communication plays a big part in running a business, so it's important for advisors to remain open with clients and colleagues. During a recent conversation in Santa Clara, California,
1: Doug Miller, San Jose, California,
0: talked about recognizing a client's perspective as well as finding common ground when interacting with staff.
1: I think we as advisors in our own rights tend to get impatient with the delayed decision-making that can sometimes take place. And we confuse that with, well, they're not going to make a decision. But I don't find that necessarily be the case. I think it just requires us to find out what it's going to take for them to make a decision as opposed to, well, if they haven't made a decision by Tuesday, they're not going to work with us. It might just take some more time. I think sometimes in our headspace we have trouble understanding when we've already laid out what is perfectly logical in our own mind why somebody else from their end might not get it. And given that we have our own goals and things that we're trying to accomplish, we might be a little bit too quick to move on to the next person.
0: So how does an advisor calm that sense of impatience?
1: To me, I think it's a function of understanding what the client's going through, understanding how the client makes decisions. And I think if we do a really thorough job of fact-finding and understanding their situation, how they make decisions what information they're going to need to be able to make a decision and ask some of those questions, then I think you get an alignment with the client or the potential client so that having those touch points of, okay, are there any other pieces that might be helpful as to aid in your decision-making? I find, again, it's more leading them to a decision than, than sort of setting a, okay, now it's time. They, they might sort of shy away from that as opposed to feeling like they're making the decision in their own time. I think the difficulty is we tend to want to gravitate towards people that think and are just like us. But then if I think about my practice as a business, then I'm sort of limited to the types of people I can get in front of that are just like me. Whereas, again, I think in my marketplace, some of the the largest wealth holders are people who don't think like me. And so it's getting out of that comfort zone that I have to be able to help our community in a way that, that again, is, again, uh, I think a little bit out of my natural comfort zone.
0: Change is also a part of practice management, including finding ways to get everyone on the same page.
1: One of the things, just from an infrastructure standpoint, is we had to go largely digital in our infrastructure just to be able to know what each other were talking about. If, if let's say, you had just talked with a particular client the day before, I can't, because I may not be in the office, I need to be able to look up and know what that conversation was if I need to follow up with the client today. And so the speed in which we can communicate had to go from conversation and paper to one where we're really integrated in a CRM system. So that was a a big help. But Further has just been working to enhance the licensing and capabilities and and put a lot of faith and delegation in, in their capabilities.
0: Of course, there are challenges that can go along with that.
1: I think right now one of the the real challenges we have is is we work in a a pretty balanced practice between insurance planning and investment planning. It's identifying who's really the lead in what space. So if we're working with a client on rolling over some uh, retirement accounts and at the same time they're applying for insurance, who's the lead in communication with the client? How clear is that communication? One of the things I try to focus on is and, and this goes to that communication style. I would like us to be pre-thought out as best we can for what forms and or documents are going to be needed from the client so that we have very concise communication to the client, not this you know, 10 email train back and forth where it can be a little bit frustrating of how come we didn't know that form was going, was going to be ultimately needed. So to be able to have everyone understand the processes that are going to be involved, and who needs to be communicated to so that it can be as concise as possible. Clients are busy and I think if we can help aid and smooth that process out that that's one of the real big value adds that that I think we can be as a, as a planner. This last week where a client had reached out to one of the team members to schedule time with me and that team member uh, just ha- had not emailed the client back. and So the client emailed me directly and then had brought it to my attention and it was a really just a simple mistake, but again, I think a real learning opportunity for, for us and, and how that's received as a client. I think rarely do we get that view of, was that how, how, how did that reflect on us? Does that make us more trustworthy or less trustworthy? And those are things that I think are really key as, as we want to be that trusted advisor for clients.
0: Efficiency goes a long way toward building that trust.
1: I think the efficiency is... And how quickly tasks can get completed at a high level so how quickly information so I think of say what is that web page well you, you name the web page that can give you know call it uh, investment advice and I think of how quickly a client can look that up versus us being able to articulate not only that information but how it's relevant to their situation And if it takes us a week to do that, well, we're not all that much of value. Because I think as this sort of digital age progresses, search engines are allowing people to find information faster and more accurately. We have, I think, the added advantage of relationship, but we also need to then work on not only maintaining that relationship, but being able to disseminate information to clients in a quickly and accurate manner. So to me, that sort of is the next phase of of what this business is going to look like in the next 10 years. And, and so we need to have all the back infrastructure set so that we can be able to handle that quickly. Because I think, I think speed is key, but it also has to be accurate. I find it rare that what I think they should focus on is different than what they think they should focus on once we're in the conversation. I think once we have that deeper knowledge of what's possible. So one of the things that I think is most often overlooked is is something like disability insurance planning. People all too often take for granted that they have something at work. So they they sort of feel that box is checked. They oftentimes will understand that the amount of life insurance they have at work is inadequate even if they maybe haven't done anything about it yet, but that disability piece sort of seems to be a big gap mentally for people and a good example, have a, a person that I was just working with that earns about $250,000 a year and only has a $3,000 a month benefit through work. So once we start to identify what does that really cover and, and, and talk about that, even though that may not have been on that priority list at the outside of the planning process, certainly as we go through it becomes an important item. So so we tend to get aligned as we learn more about how some of those things impact our, our plan. So I don't, I don't find there's a lot of discrepancy with, I think this is really important, but the client doesn't. I think one of the biggest challenges sometimes is when people want to focus solely on funding their kids' education, but don't wanna do some of the other planning items that are important. That, that's probably the one we would run into most, but helping them understand that we have a lot of other options with education funding, but nobody's gonna help you retire. We, we gotta focus there.
0: Speaking of focusing, advisors should know what they do best while also prioritizing what's most important.
1: I think we can get very busy working on things that we don't need to be working on. So there are things that can feel very important, but aren't important at all, or not certainly not urgent. And I think if we have the focus of working to see clients and try to offload as much as we can to support, that's helpful. So for example, I love doing analysis, but that's also not where I'm best suited, so I have a very talented, sort of centralized group that helps pre-prepare all of our plans. Well, I would just as soon sit at my desk and work on that, but that's not where I should be spending my time. So for me, in my office, I should either be working, mentoring, and and growing the skill sets of the people in my office, or working with clients and helping them solve their needs, and I can offload the rest of that to, to other people that are talented. So call it, don't hoard the work, get the work in the right hands
0: it goes back to the notion of giving the business priority over your comfort zone.
1: I think one of the things I I noticed this year and as opposed to some other years is we had, and, and when I say we, I mean me, hadn't done a very good job of new client acquisition relative to previous years. And so then, and this is stuff that I've been working on in the last couple of weeks, but identifying, wow, I was not real excited at points this year just about the business in general. So I had sort of lackluster energy and to me, it all came back to I wasn't doing a great job of acquiring new clients. It's where I really get a lot of energy. So it's, it took a bit for me to understand that that's where I was lacking and, and where some of my focus wasn't and needed to be. But then that required me offloading those other things because it can be easy again to, to feel busy doing all those things, but really should be in somebody else's hands.
0: Another important part of the process is accountability.
1: I think some of the most difficult conversations to have with a client are in even the rare instances where something gets screwed up from our end. And I think the the five-year-old in you wants to blame somebody else and kind of pass the buck or the blame, and, and at the end of the day, I think that though you might kind of get away with it, I don't know that that reflects well on you or an organization. Let's say if I blame a team member or I blame the company or I blame whomever it may be, how we sort of handle that is I always want to think how would I want somebody to treat me? What would that look like? And and it's just a, I'm always less concerned with all the millions of reasons why something happened but I, what I really am concerned with is how is it going to get fixed? What does this mean to me? And then what is it that's going to make sure this doesn't happen again? And so I always make sure to focus our communication in in that way, and it's usually with me just having a phone conversation or face-to-face with the person explaining what happened and and sort of humbly, you know, taking responsibility for it, because at the end of the day, if I'm sort of the leader of our organization, then it ends with me. That's where it's, it's got to start and stop. We had a rollover that got deposited in the wrong account, and unfortunately, we didn't catch it right away. And, and so having to back out and correct the situation was one, but then also repairing the, the relationship with the client was another. I can say that I think we must have done an okay job in how we handled that because that client had never referred us to anyone before that, and they've referred us to a few people since that. So I think people really want that accountability and want to be able to trust somebody. And I think when you sometimes go through something that's not ideal. And how you come out of that, I think, is a, is a trust-building scenario. I think sometimes you just take your lumps. You know, if you're screwed up, it does happen. But take your lumps, don't, don't make excuses, and, and work through it. And, and hopefully, if nothing else, your organization will be better on the other end.
0: Thank you for listening to this month's episode. If you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes at MDRT Podcast. We'll see you next time.